Hi, this is Brennan Davis from Bedrock Games and the Bedrock Blog, and I'm here with Adam Balderstone, and we're holding the fort, Dirty Harry style, while uh, while Joel is tending to some things. So we're not going to have Horror Express this week, but we're going to talk about Dirty Harry. We're going to talk about the first film, Dirty Harry, which I'm sure everybody knows. But for those who don't know about it, it's a Don Siegel film. It was released in 1971, and the synopsis, which I pulled off of offline, is uh, when a madman calling himself the Scorpio Killer menaces the city, tough as nails San Francisco police inspector Dirty Harry Callahan is assigned to track down and ferret out the crazed psychopath. Um, so that's the synopsis. Um, Adam, how long has it been since you've seen this movie? I probably haven't seen this since the 80s, so it's been... A very long time. Okay, okay, and I yeah, I rewatched. Honestly, it. I remembered, I remembered the Mad Max parody better than I remembered the movie <laughs> okay. itself. Okay, so um, yeah, I I uh, I saw it again. I think over the summer. I forget what I had. I, I gave myself like a nice Dirty Harry marathon, and I watched them all in order. But prior yeah. to that, the last time I probably sat down and watched it would have been like in the eighties or nineties. Like it was one of these films that it was all all of the Dirty Harry movies were airing when we were kids, I feel in syndication. Yeah. And, and, and when we were kids, this movie was only like what, 13 years old or something, 12 years old. I mean, you're a little older than I am, so maybe different for you, but, uh, yeah, I was born one year before this. I was born, I was born a year after this. Movie. Okay. All right. I was born the bicentennial. So I'm, a, I'm, you know, five years after it, but, uh, in, in the early eighties and the mid eighties is when I really remember seeing it all the time on TV. And it was still, you know, it was just barely a decade old at that point. Right. It, it came out 71. So somewhere between 83 and 86, it, it wasn't that old. And now it's like, I don't even want to do the math because I know it's going to be heartbreaking to realize how, how old it is. Um, it's, oh, yeah. Uh, oh yeah. But it's probably 50 something years old at this point, isn't it? Oh, uh, it is 50. Yeah. Okay. okay. No, 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 no. It'll be. Yeah, it is 50. Actually. Okay. Oh my see. God. Yeah. Oh my so, God. yeah. So, I mean, so that's like us now talking about a movie that came out in like 2008 or something or 2009. Sure. You know what I mean, so, uh, so, so, so it was still very fresh, but it was one of these films that was, you know, had a huge impact on the culture. You couldn't grow up in the eighties and miss dirty, hairy references all of the action movies that were coming out in the eighties, especially the buddy cop films, like all of yeah. them paid homage or were, you know, either blatant ripoffs of things in dirty Harry, or just, you had, this was like the template for every rogue cop well, that, type movie. It, right. It was buddy cop and rogue cop movies. And I mean, and that was one thing I liked about this is that because it wasn't, because it is the original and not just something down the line. It's like, it doesn't really have the cliche with the buddy cop thing entirely. It's like, yeah. it has elements that you'll see, but it just, it isn't, it isn't the, Oh, watch them slowly become friends. And then in the finale, they yeah. team up together and work. It's just, no, it's like, it, it feels more organic than any of that. Yeah. It, it also feels like, um, and again, I mean, I, w I wasn't around at the time, so there's obviously films that could have come out before this that had things in them. But it feels mm -hmm. like a movie where you're seeing something emerge on the screen for the first time. And the reviews I've read yes. of it all kind of indicate that. Like I went back and read like, you know, um, uh, Roger Ebert's review and other reviews and, you know, some of the ones like th it was somewhat controversial, too. There were people who didn't like the movie. So reading those reviews mm -hmm. as well. Um, but it definitely. Yeah. But no, you're right about being feeling something you know, seeing something that's just emerging because uh, a lot of times when you do go back to the first thing, 
sometimes because you've seen so many copies of it, you can't appreciate it as much. With this, I felt, yeah, this felt very fresh actually for a, for a 50 year old movie. I think, I think the closest, like for a a modern audience that hasn't seen this and isn't, didn't grow up watching the stuff we grew up watching. And this is still also an old reference. So maybe, maybe this won't work, but I feel like the, the apotheosis of this character in pop culture uh-huh. was Jack Bauer. Like Jack Bauer is like the culmination yeah. of the seed that was planted with this character. And yeah. the basic sort of, I mean, so number one, it comes out during like cultural revolution. Was this after the Manson killings? It must've been after the Manson killings. This was after the yeah. Manson yeah. killings. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. So it was after the Manson killings and it's at a point where, and I want to say before, cause this is a movie we're going to have to talk about social and cultural things attached to it and we're going to talk yeah. about like hippies and counterculture i want to emphasize my parents are hippies i love hippies i'm a very big fan of hippies i think they're all chill nice people um but this is a movie where the villain is the embodiment of the counterculture um and so that's going to be relevant in the discussion um and i am and, and and it's and it's also a movie that it you can read it a number of different ways, but the political message that a lot of people would read into it can make some viewers uncomfortable. And I think we come from an yeah. era when whether that was the case or not, you still enjoy, you still would watch a movie if it was good and you would engage with even if you're even if you're disagreeing with the premise, you would engage with it. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, this is definitely a movie where I, I have objections to things. Yeah. I'm like, no, I uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, I. I and it's worth discussing that too, but I, I, which we'll get into, but it is, I, I do enjoy the movie for other reasons. So, so before, cause you made a really good point before the podcast that I want to get into, but before we get to that point, I want to ask, yeah. what do you think the meaning of this movie is? Like, it, it, and, 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 and you don't have to reduce it to one if you think there's multiple possible meanings, you know, just. Yeah. Well, the, I mean, the most blatant meaning is that the system is broken and, uh, you know, we need a, a real man who can work outside the system and do what needs to be done is basically the message. But, yeah. And I think, I think that's like the, <laughs> I, I think that's like the, that's like the textbook sort of, that is what is Dirty Harry is described as, I think for the most part. Yeah. There's, um, there's layers to things. Yeah. There's a little, there, there is some complexity in this movie, so I don't want to just, you know, but that is that is the basic fundamental thing you take away from this movie if you watch it. And and, and I, I think we'll get into the meaning a little bit later, but I, I would sort of agree at the same time. I think my view and it changes. It's a funny thing about this movie is my, my view of what it means actually changes a lot. And I think part of that has to do with the fact that Siegel is like a liberal. Like I know he's got a statement somewhere where he said, like, I'm a liberal and and um, uh, uh, Clint Eastwood is a conservative. And I have like no comment on the meaning of the film. I forget the exact quote. Here's well, here's the, here's the other interpretation. I'll break it out now. Yes, yeah. you know that was okay. say, that was the surface level boom boom description. But you know, if you don't, you know, it's easy to see this as a formula movie because we've had all the buddy cop movies and all of that. But this isn't. You know, you could view this movie as a character study. Yeah, and it's this guy who's lost his wife just falling apart. Yeah, under this case, and at the end, he's just cracked. It's well, uh, it's so it's like you don't have to view this as a cliche buddy cop movie or anything like that. You can view it as a character study. It's just this guy falling apart. And I, I think another reading too is 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 almost even more nihilistic. Where 
system is broken. It's not working. Like clearly, it's not working. The psychopath well, yeah, is back that, on the street. That, that goes yeah, into but, my version yeah. too. That but you just said it also fits. But what that produces is Dirty Harry. That that situation is what produces the yeah, Dirty Harry. That's, and, and, that is yeah. that is a good reading yeah. because this is, you know, you know, it's, it is it is a case of. You know, even if you're on the left, you're like, wow, I mean, you know, you're not you're not in favor of this guy getting released yeah, well, into the street. And, and the guy's a real piece of work, too, in this movie. So it's like he's like, we yeah. got it. We'll talk about him later. But uh, but yeah, but also the way like in that reading, the way that I see it, and I think this is backed up by I want to get into this deeper later in the podcast. But there's a big shootout under a Jesus save sign where there's a like where Harry is bathed in red light. He's bathed in red light. And then he gets then he gets beat up under a cross by Scorpio. And Scorpio literally cracks a bunch of his ribs. So it's very it's very Jesus like. Do you know what I mean? It's very oh, Jesus like. But I think what is going on is number one, there's like a and this isn't my idea. This is ideas I you know, like I've these aren't all my original ideas. I've read articles where people have talked about different readings and interpretations. Because the movie always makes me kind of want to probe deeper and find find answers to some of my questions is one of the one of the explanations i like is that not literally but figuratively they're the same person scorpio and dirty harry that they're mm. uh uh and 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 that harry is sort of he's almost like losing his soul over the course of the movie do you know what i mean like mm-hmm. like the scene with mm-hmm. the red light bathing on him the the scene in the football field where everything is like like that is that's like a Jack Bauer scene. Like that's the moment where he's like, I'm going to torture this guy to it's like the classic moral conundrum. There's somebody buried alive. It is done as a dark scene. There's no sense of, yeah, this dude's getting what's coming to him. It definitely frames it as, yeah, the way it pulls away and everything. It's like bad stuff is happening here. And like Harry is transforming in that scene, right? Like there's something going on. It's like, it's like something's going on. So I think another reading is that, you know, like, like I said, like, the system is broken and that produces dirty Harry. But what that, what that is, is that you're taking somebody who's basically a good guy and you're, he's becoming a bad guy, or maybe yeah. he was a questionable guy. I don't know, but he started, you know what I mean? And so, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, you've also got to think too, that if this were the more standard reading, you know, his, his partner dropping out and just, you know, it's like, I feel like, I feel like that would have been the scene where, he, he talked to like, we've got it. We've got to stop this guy. And he, like, would have pulled him back in yeah. and it kind of would have gone on. But it's like, that isn't how it happens. He's like, yeah, this is, <laughs> you're making the right choice here. That This is a good idea. Quit. <laughs> so, so it's multi, it's, uh, it's multi-layered. And I think we'll, we'll definitely yeah. get into that. Um, but you had made the point. Um, I think you had said, you, you had made a number of points. So I want to make sure I'm getting the right one that you wanted to talk about, but you had said something about like the, the movie, changes meaning depending on whether this is one film or part of the series. And so, um, and I thought that, I thought that was a, uh, you know, an an interesting thing because when you take this movie in isolation, I feel it's much darker and more nihilistic and I'm I'm increasingly more inclined to like, I don't know, not, not read it as particularly right wing or left wing. It's almost a critique of both right wing and left wing extremities. I think when you really, because because it it's like uh like obviously scorpio embodies the like the, the the most extreme thing you can imagine on the left harry is embodying the thing that you 
can imagine on the right emerging. And by the end of the movie, I mean, he does save the day. He does all these necessary things. But the cost is, is you know, I mean, he's he's violating rights. He, you know, it, like they, they, they lay it out very clearly over the course of the movie. That, you know, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and, and again, some of the rights are newly acquired rights because of recent court decisions. So yeah. you can read it as commentary on those court decisions too. But, uh, but I don't know by the, by the, by the end of the movie, uh, you know, the fact, you know, the, and like, you know, the fact that he throws away his badge, uh, there was, again, there was one article I had read on this where they said in the end, there's, you know, it's sort of like a clash of authoritarianism and, uh, and freedom, like the hippies yes. represent the freedom. He represents authoritarianism. And in the end, you're left with neither freedom nor law and order. Like, you, you know what I mean? I'm sorry, a clash of law and order and freedom. And in the end, you're left with neither. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's yeah. that seems like that's that when I read that, I was like, that is the most accurate to me. That's the one that resonates the most. That feels like that's getting probably closer to what the director might have had in mind. Yeah, it becomes it becomes more right wing seeming when you add the sequels on. Yes. If he just goes on becoming a cop, then boom, it validates everything he did in the movie. It's like, yeah, he was the good guy. People came around, and yeah. so that is that is why, yeah, you just can't you can't read this movie with its true reading and and have any of the sequels factored in. And I and I think the more and again, I think what tends to happen, like I think the first time you watch it or when you're going by memory, you just kind of remember the like badass, dirty, hairy sort of, mm-hmm. you know, you know, uh, you know, uh, well, I'm all broken up about this man's rights, you know, those kind of things, you know, and yeah. and it's very much like it does. De- it definitely I mean, and it is a reaction to the counterculture and to think and to maybe some of the unforeseen consequences of the counterculture. But at the same time. Uh, then when you watch it again, you're like, wait, that light bathing him in red, like that is not, that is not how you depict a hero, especially when like you have like, you know, yeah. Jesus saves getting shot apart above him, and then you have this yeah. scene under the cross, like that. That seems, I don't think the messages are religious, but I feel like they're invoking religious imagery for a purpose. It doesn't feel like a, um, it just doesn't feel random or like, oh, we're just gonna put this cross here because crosses are meaningful and you know well, fill will, you with emotion i will qualify one thing i i do think you're onto something but mm-hmm. i will say san francisco is a catholic founded city and there are a lot of, true, a lot of crosses in yeah. san francisco that's true no that's true but i also i also feel like it's there's a difference between like say you have crosses in the background versus this guy is getting like uh, I figuratively I, I, I crucified under the cross i just say there there are um, there's a lot but, of them around but also, like when you look at like the parallels in the movie, like the first scene where he says, "Go ahead and make my go ahead and make my day," right? That scene, yeah. he's actually like it's kind of whimsical and merciful at the same time. Like he's uh, he's laughing when he says uh, when he when he when he when he pulls the trigger and there's no bullets in there, right? Like, yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And and when he says uh, he says, "Well, you know, do you feel lucky?" There's there's a there's a lightness to it. The second time when he does it with Scorpio, he's not in control of his emotions when he says, do you feel lucky punk? And and he kills yeah. the guy. Do you know what I mean? So it's like the beginning of the movie, that's just like something he does to me. All, maybe he uses that as a technique to scare people straight or, you know, give them a sense of like, you know, uh, having a second chance. Do you know what I mean? Like, well, like, it was, well, I mean, it was also 
by by doing that he's trying to talk him out of grabbing the gun because he yeah. does he's, he's he's saving the guy's life by doing that yeah that was that was an act of mercy yeah so, yeah and in and in it's, this uh, one it's like he clearly wants to kill scorpio that's like i yeah you know he, he's, he's gonna kill yeah he's, he's only there to kill him there's yeah. no other purpose in him being there um yeah. so yeah so uh uh but yeah i don't know um Adam, can you talk for a few moments? Because I actually have to blow my nose, and I it's uh, uh, okay. Just, uh, talk about start talking about Scorpio because I think we need to talk about him, and I'll catch up once uh, once I get back. It'll take me two okay. seconds. Okay, okay. Uh, wow. So uh, Scorpio, talking to myself here. He uh, <laughs> he's a uh, uh, no. It's it's a great performance by uh, by Andy Robinson in this. He's uh, just extremely unhinged as a. Uh, as we, as we mentioned earlier, he is unfortunately the only, I think, counterculture figure we get in this movie. We don't really have any other characters we see, but, you know, I mean, he honestly comes off as the guy who would, who's like the creepy weirdo who, okay, I'm going to repeat myself here a little bit. Uh, I'm just saying that I, I think Scorpio, he's, you know, we, we don't see any other counterculture characters in this yeah. movie. But he doesn't feel like he's part of the counterculture as much as the creepy weirdo who shows up sometimes and wants to be, <laughs> and no one, no one wants anything to do with him. He sees okay. that's kind of how he comes off. That's interesting. Yeah, you do kind of see that in fringe scenes sometimes, whether it's whether it's geek culture or you know yeah. alternative culture back in the eighties or whatever. But yeah, I mean that's that's the, I mean so I, I think. Like, you know, again, growing up with hippies, I, that seems right to me that he, like, that's, he's not, a, a, he's not an accurate representation of what the counterculture and what hippies were, right? Like he's. No, he, not at all. What, what I, what I read him as is I feel he's the, um, he's sort of the grotesque thing that people on the right see in the counterculture. Do you know what I mean? Oh, he I, is that yeah. too. Yeah, that's uh, that's a yeah. I, I'm I'm trying to make a reading where I actually make him a real person, mm. but uh, that is also a fair reading. <laughs> well, because he's so over the top. Like, like one of the things that, and I love this about the character and the and the, and the performance. Yeah. Yeah, he is he he is like repugnant in how he delivers some of these lines, and in a way that's like, I don't think I've ever seen anybody act a character in this way. Um, no, it's 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 a really memorable, memorable performance. I, that that is one thing that stuck with me since the eighties is that that character. It's like I, I remember him. He's just so I don't. He's like he's like coming apart at the seams at times. Like he, yeah. And what's interesting, he's so evil. He's so. And again, what's also kind of interesting about this character is, like I I was talk I I was I was watching a discussion somewhere about Dirty Harry, and somebody was like, "Well, go see." Uh, Zodiac or whatever like the kill you know that's a much better representation of serial killings and I was like you know you're really missing the point like like serial killers were a new concept to most people at this time like they're obviously they're obviously the Zodiac killer is obviously um on uh, you know what this is modeled after oh yeah. but nobody right. nobody knew like all the things we know about serial killers and so there's all kinds of things with this character that makes zero sense because ki yeah. serial killers don't do that but that's what's interesting about it is that the, the serial killers are so such a new concept to people and so scary they can project all of this evil onto him and well the other thing too is this guy's a little different than a serial killer too because i mean serial killers do have a protective instinct whereas yeah. this guy basically is 
coming apart at the seams and doing yeah. these big spectacle things trying to get attention it's like serial killers usually aren't trying no. to get attention no and i think and again i think that comes down to like they didn't really have like they didn't, they didn't have all the documentaries and stuff that we have or we like we know the if, if you're you know if you watch crime shows and stuff you kind of get a sense of what a serial yeah. killer is and i and i also i think they're kind of they're focused on psychopathy too here i think i think i know that um that that was like a big sort of idea at the time that like you know like the the, the new type of killer is like the psychopath killer you know what i mean yeah um, yeah yeah i think i think they're right yeah. about that but, being a big trend at the time but i think they're sort of trying to make sense of things like the manson killings you know this uh-huh. idea of like the zodiac killer like all these things and so you know, number one, he kills people with a sniper rifle, which is, you know, I mean, we, we had the guy that just did that in Washington, D.C., but it's rare, right? It's not like a normal, uh, yeah. It, it's, yeah. It, it's an odd M.O., but he also does other things, too. So, like, he kills people with a sniper rifle, but then he also murders young girls and, like, you know, buries them in wells. And yeah. he robs liquor stores. Yeah. He, he, whatever kind of killer he is, it doesn't. Yeah doesn't fit with serial killer at all but who uh, you know who he reminds me of the most actually is the night stalker um yeah 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 that's I'd go with that um who i mean it was much later but that's the one that uh for some reason i don't know why he just kind of he that just like totally chaotic antisocial. uh i don't know you know in, 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 if like this night stalker embodied what everybody was afraid of with like metal and satanism this guy mm-hmm. embodies what everybody's afraid of with the counterculture at the time. Not everybody, but what certain people are afraid of. Um, yeah. But I think that o- that over-the-top performance works because it's you need to feel the repugnance that Harry feels for him. And so him going from being evil and sadistic and in control to the moment he gets hurt screaming like a... Like, I don't even know what that sound is that he was making, but he gets, uh, it. yeah, he can't even believe he's been hurt. It's beyond belief that he's been hurt and he doesn't know how to handle it. And he freaks out, right? He's, he's so fragile when he actually gets wounded. Um, and also there's like a lot of other things on him because he represents the counterculture, but he's also bigoted. Like he's a bigoted serial killer because he, he, he's going after black people. And at one point it looks like he might be going after homosexuals too. I can't, I remember there's a scene where. Yeah. Yeah, that was I. It's, I was wondering about that scene. I was like, "Are we supposed to be reading these people as gay or not?" I'm not certain. I read it that but way. I, I read it. I, it's, that, it way. that was the way I read it. Yeah, but I was just, I just, yeah, I, I was. So yeah, I agree with you on that. And and, and yeah, that which is an interesting, interesting thing. Uh, like you're saying, him being the counterculture figure, but he goes after black yeah. people and children and uh and, and gay people but so. then in the context of post manson that makes sense because manson's trying to start a race war yes so you can yes. sort of see where that piece of the puzzle is coming from and even though like harry is presented as um like you know like there's this mystery why is he called dirty harry and one of the reasons it's given early on is that he's racist against everybody basically but then he winks and it's like it's not a real answer and over the course of the film you get the sense that he's actually very open-minded about different people and groups. Like, yeah, it I don't seem... think he cares. Yeah, I don't think he cares. I mean, there's no sense, you know, with the partner that that was an issue. Yeah, I mean, it's, and uh... and the and the thing that's sort of funny about the series is what they end up doing is so in this in this one he gets paired up with a guy I think it was Mexican named Chico, and yeah, and uh, and so it's you know, in the and and but in the in every series they kind of pair him up with an other like like the next guy the next partner is black. 
and then it's a woman and and then they mm-hmm. kind of stop that pattern i think and no then they they have him pair up with an asian partner in the fifth movie but by then you know the 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 steam is of the of the of the of the, of the series is kind of waning anyway so um, yeah yeah and i would actually say that's if you're gonna pick a movie that's the like the most um like like the most genuinely offensive dirty harry movie it's probably the fifth one on a num on a number of different levels um interesting uh yeah you know this movie's actually in a lot of ways kind of oddly enlightened in some ways do you know what i mean um and, and yeah there's 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 real intelligence behind this movie definitely um so i don't know i mean i, I don't know if there's much more to talk about with the uh um with the meaning of the movie but i did want to get that out of the way because that's like obviously one of the first things, yeah. You know, and I should say one of the one of the charges that gets thrown at the movie often is that it's a fascist film. That it's that it's that Dirty Harry is fascist. And he's, it's he's, anti-fascist because a fascist would just do what he was told by the chief. That's a good point. That's an interesting point. <laughs> it couldn't be. Well, I I'm not defending fascism in any way whatsoever. This movie could not be less fascist. I I think what they mean by that is sort of using violence i know like that that's, to, just to, not, to, yeah. that's just not you're, you're ruining the term fascism and just making fair it enough nothing. Fa- fair enough fair that's enough. that's it's like i not you specifically just in the general you people doing that i'm just it's like no it means a very specific yeah. thing well i think i i also feel like whenever i read film criticism that fascism is used very broadly like it has like a different, slightly different meaning. I feel like than how I would use the it. It means, yeah, yeah, any kind uh, of violent person I yeah. don't like in like, the critical world. I think. I think. I think. I think a more accurate statement is that Dirty Harry is potentially a vigilante. That's the thing that he is in danger of becoming. Oh yeah, vigilanteism yeah. isn't fascism. Once yeah. again, fascism. You got the Fuhrer, and yeah. you got all the people under him, and they all do what the Fuhrer says. No room for but, no room for vigilanteism. But but it's just it's interesting to see it sort of um, you know it's like post Miranda rights all that stuff. There's you know there's been a number of decisions that and and what, oh here here's the topic here here's the topic that we were talking about before the podcast. We were we were saying how this is clearly a movie that's of its time. Like you you cannot fully separate Dirty Harry from this reaction to the cult- counterculture that's going on and all of the stuff that was in the air at the time. Um, and, and a, a lot of, a lot of movies that, that do that. I think you and I would tend to agree, uh, regardless of what the, whether it's left or right, sometimes that can really bog down a film. Like that can make a film, oh, it, yeah. it can derail the story, right? Like you have a story and then, and then they need it to go a certain direction for the message it gets into like edutainment territory or what, or just, you know, some, or just the writer giving a political screed, uh, whether it's a good or a bad screed, whether it's a great screed you agree with or not. But some movies that do that or utilize that kind of messaging still seem to work, even if they're tied to a particular cultural thing. And Dirty Harry seems to be one of those movies. And I'm, yeah, I'm and, and I'm wondering why, because I, a lot of films that do what Dirty Harry do, I'd probably be pretty irritated at, or if not irritated, I'd be like rolling my eyes at, well, this is what I would expect in 1971 from, you know, you know what I mean? Just that kind of a thing. Yeah. For one thing, the the villain in this is genuinely compelling. It's like in a lot of, cause he is, he is clearly once again, set up as the evil bad guy, no question, but he's, he's an interesting 
evil bad character. Yeah. You're, you're you you want to watch him. He's not he doesn't just feel like a straw man that's there for Harry to shoot at the end. Uh, um, so that's important. Uh, but yeah, it's just a well-made movie overall. I mean, yeah. the, the acting's good, the, the pacing's good, the direction's good. There's just the, the developments of the police work is interesting to yeah. watch. It's just I I enjoyed every moment of this movie just going yeah. through it. So it's like any any ideological objections I have are in the background. The fact that yeah, I'm really enjoying this movie. Yeah, I was I was also thinking like I think because it's sort of putting its finger on like a particular like a very something that was like a genuine fear emerging at the time around crime and crime sort of being out yeah, of control well, and yeah and and then that leading to the discussion like this this forever discussion that we've been it's it's not even though they're dealing with stuff unique to that period it's sort of an ongoing always happening conversation of how to balance rights and law and order and all these things so i feel like yeah well there is no perfect balance so the conversation yeah. never ends yeah you just Make sure hope hope it gets nudged yeah. back in the right direction when it goes too far. And uh, and again, I think some of the ambiguity of it too, like where on the one hand it does seem to be saying something, but then when you, but then you get like these these hints that maybe that's not the case. Then when you go back and rewatch it, you're forced to sort of think of the movie in a different way. I think that's another yep. reason why it it lasts. So I think movies where it's like there's one clear message, and that message is the only real one that you can take away from the film, unless you're being deliberately obtuse about it those ones are the ones yeah. that tend to have the bigger problem but if there's like more texture to it more more nuance and layers it's uh even if it doesn't even if it's not visible on your first viewing i think that uh uh that's something that makes it interesting because I, I feel like every one of the one of the hallmarks of every dirty hairy discussion is people having this involved conversation about what it means and even if like they disagree with everything they think the movie's about, like it's it produces this engaging conversation somehow. So something about the way it handled it, I don't know, just yeah. leads to interesting discussions. Um, it, uh, yeah, it is a it is a good conversation starter movie. Because most and most movies, most movies that have or or at least are accused of having an ideology don't make for interesting conversations, which is the worst thing about them. It's like yeah, yeah. it's just telling you something. And you can agree or disagree, and there's just no complexity to unpack. So, yeah, I would yeah, agree. Maybe with if that. you agree with the movie, you can just enjoy it for you know feeling validated. That's yeah. all it can do for people. And if you disagree with it, you could just get angry. It's like you know, like those. those exactly. Two, yeah, yeah. This is one where I found because when I was young, you know, I I felt that I disagreed with the message, Jimmy, because I had a very simple interpretation of the message as a kid. But I found the movie so compelling. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think that's um, yeah. Uh, you know, sometimes I mean, sometimes too. I like movies that do that to me. I like movies and books where it's like I don't really agree what this person has to say, but I'm really interested in the conversation that's unfolding here. Um, yeah. So, uh, but yeah. So, um, I guess uh, in terms of um, uh, other observations about the movie, like uh, you know, any any additional thoughts on um, on I don't know any key scenes that you liked, anything that uh stuck out at you this time watching it that you maybe didn't notice before oh let's see yeah it's hard to compare it to before because it's been it's so like i said i literally do remember the mad magazine uh version better i can remember all the frames of that yeah. but uh yeah at the end he throws his sag card away instead of his badge <laughs> but uh <laughs> so, <laughs> i mean every and, and the parodies kind of have more 
uh, currency than the uh, than the movie itself, almost right. Like well, know. at the time I saw this yeah. back then, you know, I mean, I was a kid. I was more interested in Mad Magazine mm. than than slow paced seventies okay. cop movies. You yeah, know? I, well, I have to admit, I had, I I must have had a thing for these slow paced like Clint Eastwood movies for whatever reason. I remember watching a lot of grainy, gritty seventies cop uh-huh. movies and action movies, and a lot of them were always Clint Eastwood movies or. Clint Eastwood adjacent in some way, like a Charles Bronson type movie or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, I didn't get into those movies till later. So, you know, for the most part, it's something I really started to appreciate and enjoy. But, okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'd see well, a lot of them. But. Well, I think what it was is a lot of times when you, when you were a kid that age in that time, it was really boiled down to what's on TV, right? And so exactly. Uh, exactly. I, I lived in yeah. Southern California. This is the period that I most remember it. And this was on syndication like you know on the channel that they played you know there was this transition from the afternoon cartoons to like the syndicated sitcoms to like the the evening sitcoms right and somewhere in between they would play a movie or somewhere after they would play a movie and this and it was always movies like this i feel you know always these like 70s films that were you know, usually yeah, there's like westerns, westerns yeah. or, or cop films for the yeah. most part. Those were the two two yeah. most popular genres. And I wasn't as into the the westerns. I wasn't as into. I had to watch them. I but yeah, I hated westerns when I was a kid for some reason. I just could. Well, I I, I, start, I really started to enjoy them in my twenties, but I just I, was just I know like why. Bored with I them. know why we didn't like them because they were our parents' genre. Like, like, well, yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, that is it. I, I, I was just automatically, even though I hadn't, I, I just was bored from them from the beginning yeah. and I had wanted nothing to do with them. Well, it was one but, of these things where, like, I feel like maybe not even just our probably our parents and our grandparents, because I know my grandparents used to watch them too. I feel like it was just one of these, it was just an old genre that it was sort of like it was very old fashioned. By the time we came around, you would have movies like Silverado and stuff like that coming out, but the, you know, I, well, Silverado was Silverado. I was like, yeah, actually, that was early. I, I had I had to think about that. I think it was out. like eighty six, yeah. right? Silverado, wasn't it? That sounds about right. I remember I watched. Yeah, I remember the, I saw that with my grandfather. But. The only the only Western movie I really remember liking a lot as a kid before before like you know when I got older I I started getting into them more. But uh, was Pale yeah. Rider? Pale Rider for some reason I really liked. But that was a Clint okay. Eastwood movie, so maybe that was why I don't know. Um, yeah, I liked. I did like some of the Clint, Clint, Clint Eastwood ones, but uh, it's just on the whole, I hated. I hated the genre. I think the Clint Eastwood ones I watched because of Clint Eastwood, and I, I just, you know. You know what it is too about that genre is the uh, the scenery is very um, uniform in color, and I think that is a big part of why you know everything's brown. Yeah. Everything is brown and dusty, and. and they, you yeah, know. and I think that looked really even worse on the uh, on those TVs. That's one thing to remember when we talk yeah. about these movies. We were watching those little square yeah. cathode ray TVs. Well, and if we were lucky, they, we had cable and we weren't having like snow on the screen yeah. from the, the rabbit ears. Well, you, but, could uh, see, you could see the screen on it. Like you could literally see the TV screen on the old TVs. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the screen so, meant something back then. The, the scenic um, vistas of the old West yeah. were just not coming across in those yeah. movies at all. No, the same. I mean, like the, that's how I remember the Dirty Harry movies. Is sort of these like these grainy and the col- There's something off about the coloration of the movie too. Either because the movie was a little bit older at that point and not restored, or because of the, we were watching them on these crappy televisions and the co- you know you, like you used to, you used to have to fiddle with the colors on those t- like the tint and the color oh, to get everything God, right. Yes. So yes, you know it was there's a lot going on. <laughs> 
I, I guess another thing, just speaking of Clint Eastwood, is the fact that Clint Eastwood was one of these actors who basically played a persona in all of his movies, right? Like he always played yeah. like the Clint character, right? Like he yeah. wasn't always called Clint, obviously, but like he was playing, you know, kind yeah, of like how Humphrey Bogart's always Humphrey Bogart. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I think that's another reason why Dirty Harry is appealing. Again, it's not, you know, obviously Clint Eastwood isn't going around with the Magnum blowing people's brains out and stuff and enforcing the law. But the, you get the sense that there's like a very thin line between the the the, the persona you're seeing on the screen and the and the and the and the guy. Like like obviously they're not the same person, but just that it you you you. Does it click? Well, when you, you, I mean the thing is, yeah, exactly. Just that the westerns had already been made. It's like he's bringing all that yeah. with him into this movie. If yeah. you're watching it, it's like his audience who saw this when it came out already would have had that in their head. It's not like it's not like watching like uh, um, a movie where you have somebody uh, like Robert De Niro who plays like very different characters in a lot, especially yes. his early movies. You know what I mean? Uh, yes. You know, which is enjoyable for its you know in its own way. But what? But one of the things, and again, this isn't my original point. I've read this elsewhere, so I don't want to claim to it. But one of the things that I think makes a character like Dirty Harry appealing is because there's an authenticity about a an actor who doesn't really play. He isn't, he isn't like tormenting himself between roles to come up with a new character. You know, he's kind of playing this character that he always plays. Do you know what I mean? So it's not really deceptive the way that when, you, when, when you see Robert De Niro in taxi driver, he's a totally different person, you know, than when you see him in Goodfellas or the, when you see him in the Godfather two or whatever, you know, like, these are different characters these are starkly different characters and uh and so you know it's it's there's an honesty in in you can also criticize it because he's not really he's not really playing a different role but i well i you know i don't really take that give that criticism Mm. because i I just find with act with with actors it's I mean, when you when you study acting too, a lot of things they teach you. It's good to have a persona. That's like an okay. easy way to get the fame. If you're the guy who does that, you know, casting yeah. agents remember that. It becomes yeah. easier to get a career. So a lot of people do work on that, even if they're capable of more. Kind of honing that persona can be the way to go. Okay. And okay. you know, if you like that persona, why not keep doing it too? That's well. That's what brings really you... wrong with it. No, it's like why, back it, to it. why didn't Clint Eastwood play more nerdy guys? It's like no one was, no one's asked. Well, didn't for we? That. Wasn't there? I might not have been in the um, Creature from the Black Lagoon we saw, but I think he played a scientist in one of the Creature from the Black Lagoon yeah, movies. Yeah, he did. Yeah, but that's before and, his career but, took off. So. But like, do we really? Nobody wants to see that, right? Like yeah, everybody exactly. wants. Yeah, yeah. No, it's like he was really compelling yeah. nerd. Yeah. No, it's uh, it's not. You know, I mean. Even in his like later movies that he's directed, like he goes and he explores other themes, but it's a very natural progression from all of it. You know, it's not like yes. you know, it's like okay, we're just watching a. This is like a. This is an aged version of this persona. It's not you know, he's not yeah. he's not a radically different person just because you know it's you know he's he's making his own movies now or something. Um, yeah. So yeah, I I think that's something that's also. When when I and again, this is more apparent, I think, when you go and you watch the whole Dirty Harry series. But there's something very comforting about having this persona thread through the whole series. And and again, yeah. they, they soften I the think, character a little bit with time. But um, 
Yeah, I think, you know, sort backtracking a bit to the, you know, talking about people playing the same role all the mm. time. I think what really bothers people is when people kind of go into autopilot over time. And it's like, yeah. I don't know that Clint Eastwood ever went into autopilot. Maybe he did. You've watched more Dirty Harry movies than me. But any movie yeah. I've seen him in, he's at least, he has, he's he's been engaged with it to an extent. I mean, I always like him in movies. I can't think of a movie where I've been like, oh man, he, I mean, he, yeah. he's probably that's phoned it point. in at some point, but like, it's never been as apparent to me if that's what no. he's doing. I think, um, I think a lot of times that's the complaint people are really making where mm -hmm. they don't, they don't kind of realize it. It's just yeah. that the person is doing the same persona and they're doing less yeah. and less yeah. energy each time. Well, what's interesting is even an actor like Robert De Niro, who wasn't persona based, eventually became a persona. And that became a yes. very common criticism of his later performances. But that's is what you're saying. I said, that's also part of the business, too. I mean, mm. that isn't necessarily his choice, but yeah. the, his agent, the cats, the, the, the scripts yeah. that are coming his way, all of that is a factor. Okay. And that, a lot of people end up playing the same role because that's what everyone wants to hire them for. No, and that, I mean, that makes sense. That makes sense. We, I'd like to do at one point like a discussion, like, I'd like to pinpoint when that happens with somebody like De Niro because I find it, yeah yeah I just know like at one point you looked up and suddenly he was playing the dad for Meet the Fockers all the time or you know it was like that kind of a thing he but, yeah he, he definitely at some point I mean think about the fact too with De Niro though he was someone that when he was serious about acting he was incredibly gruelingly serious about yeah. it so i could see how he got to the point where it's like you know what i'm just gonna do light comedy yeah it's like i i feel like he's someone that actually earned that he's yeah, yeah. he's good <laughs> and even then like a, a lot of the, the persona that he embodies in the comedies is is kind is like a tough guy and a lot of those early roles even though oh, they're varied yeah. they're all they're all dark or tough or so you know there's something you know, there's a, there's a there's a very dark streak through all those characters. Um, yeah, and, and I think I think De Niro, he's you know he likes to do lighter stuff now, but I think he's trying. I don't really get the maybe I don't know. I haven't seen as much of his recent stuff, so I I really shouldn't weigh in on that. But yeah, I haven't either. I've I, 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 I've just <laughs> read a lot of complaints. I saw yeah. a new movie from him, so I, I, I'm like, I better. No, I, I retract my opinion completely. And I'll even say this might be unpopular. I don't know. But I actually liked him in Meet the Fockers. I thought that was a very oh, no, entertaining. No, he is, that was my yeah. point. I was yeah. thinking, talking about that. But I thought, wow, how long ago yeah. was Meet the Fockers? <laughs> I, I don't even know. So, yeah, that's why I. I but yeah, he, he, he likes he clearly likes doing comedies. No question. No. And I think I mean, and he's, you know, the, even in movies where he was serious, there was always kind of an edge of humor sometimes yes. you know so i, I could yes. see that there was like a dark sense of humor but humor um the only movie i didn't like him in you know again and i'm, I'm like you i haven't seen him in more recent movies so there's, i'm sure there's a lot of new ones that i could probably complain about if i saw them i don't know yeah uh i didn't particularly like him in frankenstein and i felt like that was just because it was a miscast do you know what i mean it wasn't I, yeah I, I i just didn't like that movie much and mm. i kind of forgot about it yeah. <laughs> about 10 minutes after leaving the theater so yeah. i can't really weigh in much on that but i yeah i didn't like that movie. i tried to like that movie for a very i wanted to oh, like i was it so, so bad. excited for yeah. that movie but i yeah. <laughs> i mean I, I i deceived myself when i came out of that theater i was convincing myself that i liked it and mm. it just but then like with every repeat viewing you just can't I, you, it's difficult to watch. It's not an easy movie to sit through, and no. uh, and Kenneth Branagh really like. I don't know. He 
he's disruptive to the to it somehow I, I don't know why like he's a good actor i don't understand but something went wrong in that movie um yeah i i like i don't remember it very well at all because i i, I kind of yeah. didn't even spend any time thinking about it afterwards i was just like no nah, no <laughs> well what's sad too is it's kind of, it's sad for a couple of reasons number the number one um the guy who did the soundtrack is amazing he was his name doyle something doyle I don't it's remember brilliant. the soundtrack. It's actually. a brilliant soundtrack. It's got one of the best openings in the in like when that opening happened, I was like, "Wow, this is it. This is great." And then it was all downhill uh-huh. from the opening. Um uh-huh. uh but it's also one of the few Frankenstein movies that's like you know, a big Frankenstein movie, not like a made for TV or something that yeah. uh that is fairly true to the book. Like they do take some liberties, but it's fairly true to the book. Um and it's just a shame that it didn't. You know, maybe maybe being true to the book isn't the way to make Frankenstein. Maybe that's the problem. Yeah, I, I think I think they should have taken some liberties here and there. I mean, yeah. just just as far as editing, trimming, that kind yeah. of thing. Because yeah, it just it just wasn't a well paced movie. Yeah, I I agree with that. Um, but yeah, so you know, I I don't know, but with uh with the with the Dirty Harry movies, um, and again, I know you haven't rewatched the new no the, the series. Uh, so, you know, there's, there's a limit to, to where this discussion can go, but, um, but I do find my, here's my thinking. The first Dirty Harry movie is a fun, not a fun, is a, is a good, (laughs) yeah, yeah, it's a wrong word, wrong word. Uh, the first Dirty Harry movie is a good movie. It's well-crafted. Um, I think, I think especially when you get to that scene in the football stadium, it's just clear. This is like something is going on. That's a little bit special with this movie. Do you know what I mean? Just the, this, uh, it's 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 well paced it it does a really good job of keeping suspense like that scene when he's going from telephone booth to telephone booth and yeah. and uh we called out the soundtrack yet the soundtrack on this movie is really okay good. so the soundtrack number one i i feel like the jazz flute is the flute that anchorman is making fun of in the anchorman <laughs> movies do you know what i mean like, that's how i like i don't know i don't know if that's the case but i feel like that's a that's what they had in mind when they decided to put a jazz flute in his hand. Um, oh. And even some of the notes sound kind of similar to some of the, but it's this really jazzy. They got like, they got like, they got like different instruments playing. And then they have like this drum track and the drum track always seems to come on. It's, it, it, it's doing, it's functional. It's got some kind of function to it. Do you know what I mean? Like uh-huh. it, it uh-huh. really works like the rhythm of the, like, okay, I'll give you an example. Scorpio gets stabbed. In, I want to point out, this is another cool thing about uh, Dirty Harry that, again, another person came up with this idea where they're figuratively the same person. And if you watch the movie, a lot of things that happen to Dirty Harry happen to Scorpio and vice versa. So Scorpio gets stabbed in the leg. He ends up with a wounded leg and a limp. Dirty Harry early yeah. in the movie gets shot in the leg. Right. And, you know, and there's yeah, a lot yeah, of that yeah. throughout the movie, um, even though their hairstyles are different. They actually have similar type of hair and similar eyes. There's all these things about them. But. The point about the soundtrack is that limping when, when Scorpio starts limping, which I think is where his character really starts to. I don't. Know, that's really, <laughs> that's like that's an important feature of his character by the end of the movie. It really, it really yeah. helps, and and it works with the soundtrack because there's that that jazz drumming that goes on when like I don't I don't know what function it's serving, but it's sort of like when things are going to plan. That's when the drum beat kicks in, and oh, when things yeah, kind of go I off the rail, like I. I, I might be wrong, but it's like something like that. Like we're uh-huh. being distracted. So here's the flute and then do, 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 you know, then the drums kick in and we're, do you know what I mean? It, 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 wow. It's, it's really, it works. I like, I like it. It's, yeah. I, 
I don't have your analysis, but just on a subconscious watching the movie level, the soundtrack is just absolutely perfect through yeah, this whole thing. I agree. And it's not a soundtrack that you would be able to hum. It's kind of like a Sondheim no. thing. Like you wouldn't remember the melodies, but the the vibe that it creates works really well. It works really yeah. well. Um, and it's kind of like yeah. it's kind of like the thing that we we got oversaturated with by the early eighties where like this turned into like elevator music being the soundtrack to a lot of like, anytime they showed a city, you had like, yeah. you had strings doing elevator jazz music, you know? Uh, but this is like the this more the gr- good version. Yeah. This is the good version. Um, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I agree. Exactly. This, 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 yeah, that's the thing. As you say, this really fits with the movie. That's, that's, what absolutely makes it work if yeah. you're just kind of laying jazz tracks over a car chase scene it just becomes the laziest thing in the world by you know the, the by 1980 but yeah it's not doing that no this is this is a cool movie where i feel and again my analysis might be a little bit off but like something like that is going on where what's going on visually and on this the the music and the and the visuals are all bound together in a very cohesive way like they, they yes. just they just fit together and and I, I like when you feel like the soundtrack isn't just this other thing that they've added on but it's actually part of like this the it's it's part of the physical medium now do you know what i mean like like it, it, yeah it, uh i don't know it's it's it, and this is a movie where, you, where i noticed that and, and it's in, and again i think it's interesting especially because it's not like there's any powerful melody or Chord no, progression. I, I actually can't very clearly remember it right yeah. now, but it's it just through the movie that I was like, "Wow, this is perfect." As yeah. you say, there's it's not hummable, but it's, it works. Yeah, the drum the drumming has so much to do with like that drum beat is just yeah. it kind of gets in you and like the but but you really see it with the with when he's limping and the drums are playing and he's you know like that scene when he goes to the liquor store. I feel like that's a scene where you see it. Um, yeah. So yeah, so one of my other thoughts about Scorpio is I always feel like he really reminds me of David Foley. And I'm I'm hoping that there's some kind of <laughs> lost kids in the hall sketch somewhere where where they're doing Dirty Harry and he gets to play like I don't I don't think I've ever seen him play Scorpio in a sketch, but I feel like that's something that is hopefully out there somewhere where there's like this lost Dave Foley sketch. Oh, and he's cause he look doesn't he look exactly like him? Like there's a I can see resemblance. I'm calling up a picture of him right now it's the expressions it's like how his face comes alive when he gets animated do you know what i mean it's the i yeah yeah when you're talking from an expression perspective i definitely definitely get it like Uh, like when dave foley is losing it and when this guy is losing it there is a real similarity between them you know um uh uh, that's funny um I've got a friend that's a big Dave Foley fan, so I'll have to uh, bring this up to him. <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of these things. Um, but uh, but with the with the series, the 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 thing that I, I think is interesting is that conversation. The movie, like the, this movie, is like the well crafted, you know, good movie. The series, the other movies, is where Dirty Harry gets fun, if that makes sense. Do you? Know what I mean? The, yeah that, that's that's yeah. how i would put it that's that's maybe how i justify to myself liking the whole series you know what i mean like because the oh, movie i think it's fine to like them but i just think i think you should critically think about the first movie by itself yeah There's i agree other movies too you can just I enjoy agree. those on their own terms so yeah i don't yeah. have a problem with that. I, I agree this is clearly a movie that's meant to be one movie 
and then you get a series attached to it. And, <laughs> yeah. and, and it's interesting too, because usually when that happens, the whole, like the series ends up corrupting the original movie. Somehow that doesn't happen here. Like this movie, I, uh-huh. it's still, to me, it still stands the test of time. It hasn't been infected by whatever is going on in the, in the series in any way. Like that just tends yeah. to happen with sequels where they somehow, like the matrix is a classic example where the sequels just <laughs> infected the first movie and there's no, there's no way around it, but dirty Harry. Yeah, I never watched the sequels, so I am immune. Okay. Well, <laughs> yeah, I, I can, con- I, I forget what was going on, but like, by, by the time, you know, I, I heard how bad the second one was before I got around to seeing it. So I was just like, all right, never. It's and, sort of, the uh, the it second one me. was bad. And then the third one is like, it gets even worse. That's the, uh-huh. that's my memory. Maybe other people feel different. Well, now there's but, another one on the way. So yeah, I'm, I'm not sure watching it. it. I'm not watching it. <laughs> and I actually like their other movies. I liked Cloud Atlas. I, you know, I haven't seen I Jupiter, but, but I, I like some of their other movies that came later, but they just ruined the matrix with it. it was perfect it was perfect and dirty harry is a perfect movie on its own but yeah. it's still a fun conversation i feel like it's you know there are movies you want to keep talking about what dirty harry does a good job of is what it focuses on is the conversation that Her- dirty harry produces so in the second movie it's basically and i think the guy who wrote the second movie i could be wrong i think it's the guy what's his name the guy that um john goodman's character is based on in um the Big Lebowski. There's a there's like a screenwriter oh. in Hollywood who he's based I on. Didn't, I, I, John I'm Milius. So I want to say, is it Milius? Is that his name? Oh, Milius. I think oh, so. he's based. On, oh, I totally see that. Okay, yeah, John Milius. Yeah, yeah. okay, um, that makes sense. I I never thought who that was supposed to be, but yeah, yeah. That uh, so I think he wrote the second one. I could be wrong because I'm not looking at the information on the second movie. So you can check that if there is, you know. But but either way, the second film is about how. The police, like obviously, Dirty Harry is a cop again because he, you know, he yeah. threw away his badge. You know, and you can imagine, like you know, he's kind of a hero at the end of the movie, so it might be easy to bring him back into the police force. But the premise is there are elements within the police force that agree with Dirty Harry's methods, and there's this group of rogue cops that are going around that are literal fascists. They are literally uh-huh. being fascists. They're they're going around like just executing criminals, just you know, uh, you know. Uh, to be judge jury and executioner and dirty Harry has to contend with them. He ends up being pitted against these people. And so the, the second movie is almost like an attack on people who, who become fanboys of the first movie and take the the message too literally. Right. So it's just an interesting thing. And then the third movie is when he gets paired up with a female cop. And so it's, Mm -hmm. you know, it's sort of like, you know, now we're going to see dirty Harry, you know, and also in the second movie, they have him, they, they, they make a point of having him have an interracial relationship that's also sort of a free love relationship to show that he's kind of down with that element of the counterculture. So there's just all these things going on in the second movie that are, that are just really interesting. Um, and then the third movie is, uh, you know, it's sort of like he's paired up with a woman and by the end of the film, she wins him over. So the beginning of the movie, we see him kind of being misogynistic and cracking jokes yeah. about female, you know, police officers. And then the woman who I, uh, I can't remember the actress's name, but she was perfect for the uh, role. She was, um, uh, oh man, I she's know she very, was, she, uh, she was in all kinds of movies and shows when we were kids, but she's really <laughs> great. Daily was that her last name? Um, let me. You know what? Let's uh, let's uh, let's right. find it. 
I'll, I'll get it. Uh, Dirty Harry. Tyne Daly. Yeah, that's it. She 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 is, in my opinion, the best thing about that movie. Like next to next to Clint yeah, Eastwood. It's um, yeah, it's That's probably my favorite. In the most people like the second one, but I think my favorite is the third one. Um, and then <laughs> I don't know the 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 fourth one is uh, is like the height of like the Reagan era. Not the height, but it's like early in the Reagan era, and it's very much. Yeah. It, it, it's if you if you watched movies like Commando and Rambo as a kid, it's it's the most like that. And then the fifth one is just the most confused. It's at the tail end of the glam rock era. Jim Carrey plays Axl Rose in the movie. If you can like, I'm, I'm fudging a little bit, but that's basically what he does. Like Jim Carrey is the leader of a band that ha- that and he sings "Welcome to the Jungle" in a mock music video in the film. And the rest of Guns N' Roses go to his funeral after he dies of a heroin overdose that's caused by, I think, somebody poisoned the heroin or something. I forget the plot. Um, and the movie ends with a with a high-speed chase through the streets of San Francisco involving a little bitty dinky remote control car that's got explosives on it. Um, and, and, he's, and he's paired with a, he has an Asian partner and they make the Asian partner like a, like a martial arts expert. But it's the martial arts he's doing are very, like generic. It's 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 very, it's it's very, uh, it's it's very of its time. Generic Hollywood fight choreography. Well, the 80s. generic. This is like Asian martial arts of some kind. Is my okay. my impression of it. Um, and it ju- it just felt really weird. That whole uh, it's 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 interesting just to watch for its just to see Jim Carrey. Play Play before before Jim Carrey is who Jim Carrey is like this is this is before Ace Ventura and before like I think it's either before or just as Living Color it must have been before Living Color I would think I think I think I think Uh, yeah it came out 88 okay yeah 88 was probably the year and Living Color came out if I were to guess that was like 88 89 I think I think Living Color was 89 I think it came out in 89 was it 89 I think so I can't remember that but but whatever yeah. but but whatever the case, he's still Jim Carrey. Like you see it, you're like, oh, Jim Carrey doing a Jim Carrey face. But the world didn't know what a Jim Carrey face was at that time. So it to- yeah. you know what I mean. So it ages weirdly as a result because when it came out, it wouldn't have been received the way we're receiving it with with decades of Jim Carrey movies to evaluate. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's, yeah, it's yeah. really really weird. Like it, it's it's when I when I watched it again over the summer, I was just. just that I couldn't get past it. That was the thing in the movie that really, like, it, it made it and it ruined it at the same time. Um, so, but but I don't. I, I do like the conversation it has with itself, and also by that movie they they turn Dirty Harry into like, uh, you know, he's much more domesticated by the end of that film. Oh, I would say. sure. You know, he, um, and, and so uh, I don't know, but it, but it's interesting to sort of see the conversation flow over time. Um, and, uh, and the third one is also the one that has the famous scene where he's in the coffee shop and, and he doesn't realize it's being held up and the woman keeps putting sugar into his coffee and he, he walks away with his coffee and, you know, he, he tastes it and he realizes too much sugar. So he comes back cause he knows that she's telling him the place is being robbed. So it's, <laughs> and he's just so calm and cool. And he's telling the criminals like, you know, Mary always puts like, you know, like this amount of sugar in. And today she, you know, she, she put this much sugar in. And so, you know, yeah, gotta uh, be a signal. Yeah. Um, and I think the second one, 
so the first movie is the one where he's eating the hot dog and then he goes and shoots up the bad guys at the bank robbery and i think mm-hmm. the second one is the one where he literally has like a hamburger in his hand as he's you know there's 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 always these scenes like that um but yeah, so I know I think the whole series is great, but the first movie is particularly special, and I think it's just it's got a lot of depth to it and a lot of um, yeah. I don't know a lot of ambiguity that isn't apparent on first view. At least in my opinion, there's a lot of ambiguity that's not apparent on first viewing. Um, so yeah, so I don't know any other thoughts. I know we've kind of gone on for a while about. Ah, the... uh, I think I given all my thoughts so far, okay. so I think I'm good. Yeah, I, obviously, I had a lot of dirty Harry. Just like that was inside me that needed to come out. I know, uh, I know. That's why uh, I agreed to do this podcast <laughs> with you. I knew you had to get this out. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I have to. I want to say when I did that Dirty Harry viewing over the summer, that was like the most I've enjoyed watching anything in a long, long time. Very wow. close to like right now. I'm going back and watching Alienation again, and I'm having a yeah. similar type of thing. Maybe it's probably nostalgia. It's probably nostalgia, but if it is or if it isn't i i just uh, i was just uh it was like magical going through and saying i'm just going to watch all the dirty harry movies again and i'm going to watch them in chronological order and really absorb like the flow over time of these movies and uh yeah you know i i highly recommend going on amazon and renting or buying the dirty harry movies and just watching them yeah i i actually would consider owning this it is a good movie I, yeah, I actually watching this again this time around i actually bought it i uh i bought I, yeah i bought it because i was like you know i i think i'm going to be watching this again in the not too distant future so i'd rather buy it yeah. than rent it, it um, it's just the pacing the the soundtrack all of that it just i could i could definitely see just putting this movie on just to have it on while i'm doing things for example but, yeah uh, and it's and it's got so but, many like the humor in it is really good the humor is yeah. when it when it, it it is it is a well written yeah. movie. The writing in this yeah. movie is very good. And, the, and again, that line, the, the well, I'm all broken up about that man's right. That <laughs> line is just it's perfectly delivered. It's just because Dirty Harry's like almost cartoonish. There's something like almost cartoonish about the persona with the hair yeah, and the it's... and the fixed expression, of, like the wince that he has on his face. And him yep. delivering that line through the gritted teeth, <laughs> it's it's per. And there's a lot of other moments like that in the movie, but that that's the one. That, I don't know why that line is so funny, but something of. I think it's because you've seen all the horrible things that Scorpio has done, and then you yeah. get to that line. It's like you know, and they're talking about his rights, and it's like he's he. It's the. I don't know. You, again, I, I we've already covered this, so I won't go back to it. But it it, it was a really perfectly. Uh, written moment um so yeah so hopefully we'll be back on next week with serpent and the rainbow because that's the big one that we wanted to do um and i've been so looking forward to doing that one because i haven't seen it in ages and i really want to i i really want to see if it holds up or if i watch it i'm like is this what i thought it was ages ago you know yeah i only saw it the one time like when it first hit cable so Mm. it's i it was it's I really loved it at the time. So I, I've got the same thing. I'm, I, I really hope I like it as much as I did last time. Cause it is such an unusual movie that I, I, I have no idea how I'll yeah. feel about it now. Yeah. And I, and I really feel like our Jacob's ladder discussion will be illuminated by that movie. I, 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 I oh. could be wrong, but I feel like there's a lot in that movie that Jacob's ladder was kind of reacting to in some way. So, um, 
so yeah, so we'll let you go. And and again, I do have the alienation discussions up, so you can check those out. I should have another one up soon. And uh and yeah, and and until then, we will talk to you later.